Welcome to Animals Today, your home for serious talk about animals. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about elephants and zoos, because later in the show I have some really wonderful news to share with you. So first, I want to remind listeners of an incredible story we covered back in 2016. 18 elephants were captured from the wild in the kingdom of Swaziland, Africa, and shipped all the way to the U.S. in order to become exhibits for three United States zoos. What really made the story unbelievable was that for a few years prior to this horrific news, elephant conservation was really starting to achieve worldwide attention as more and more people were learning and understanding that keeping elephants in captivity is unethical and cruel. Plus, just around this time, huge news broke of Ringling Brothers' plans to retire their elephants from performing in circuses due to ethical issues raised by pressure from not only animal rights people, but the public as well. Average citizens were realizing that elephants are removed from their natural environment, separated from their families, kept chained or caged in small enclosures, endure cruel training methods, and are forced to perform unnatural tricks for viewers. So more and more people did not want to take their families or their kids to the circus anymore. And Ringling Brothers Circus was under intense pressure with more and more communities banning things like bull hooks from being used. You guys know about bull hooks, right? Bull hooks are rods with solid steel pointed ends specifically designed to inflict pain on the elephants. Trainers stab these sharp hooks deep into the elephant's ears or mouths and other sensitive parts where their skin is paper thin to inflict pain and force the elephant to do what the trainer wants him to do. The mayor of West Hollywood at the time, Paul Koretz, led Los Angeles to ban the use of painful elephant bullhooks. And since bullhooks are needed to control and train performing elephants, Ringling Brothers was no longer able to do their yearly shows at the Staples Center in Los Angeles. Plus, in December 2014, Oakland, California, where Ringling Brothers and Barton Bailey Circus has always performed annually, also passed a law prohibiting the use of bullhooks. And so did other cities. So Ringling Brothers saw the writing on the wall. They were slowly being squeezed out. So in 2015, Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey Circus announced that they were going to retire their performing elephants by 2018. But because of the constant criticism from animal rights groups, an increasing number of local laws aimed at restricting their animal shows, Feld Entertainment, that's the company who owns Ringling Brothers, decided that in 2016, the elephants would have their final show, which occurred that year in Providence, Rhode Island, almost two years sooner than they planned. So after 145 years of featuring elephants in its circus acts, Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey Circus finally retired all their elephants for good. So where did these particular elephants go to retire? Well, they went to the Ringling Brothers and Barnum Bailey Center for Elephant Conservation in Florida. That's what they call it, elephant conservation. Conservation, we hear that term a lot, don't we? What does that even mean? We're gonna talk more about that term later. So the elephants from the Ringling Brothers Circus retired to their elephant conservation center. Is that like the conventional animal elephant sanctuary where they have lots of room to roam and are left alone? No, of course not. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Feld Entertainment Company is not in the business of conservation. They're an entertainment company. Anyway, this was a nice little diversion. Let's get back to the topic of today, which is zoos and elephants. 
The most heart-wrenching, infuriating animal news story of 2016, maybe even of the decade, was when 18 elephants were captured from the wild in Africa so they can become exhibits in our zoos. So despite the almost universal acknowledgement that keeping elephants at zoos is very cruel and the huge news story that Ringling Brothers planned to retire their elephants because of ethical issues, these elephants were captured and removed from the wild. They were literally ripped away from their families and their home ranges and social groups and then delivered to three United States zoos to spend the rest of their lives in captivity. And I will remind you that one elephant died in the process of the transfer, but the remaining 17 elephants who were once living free in the wild with their families will now live out their lives confined in three U.S. zoos. And you should know which zoos we are referring to. The Dallas Zoo, the Sedgwick County Zoo in Wichita, Kansas, and the Henry Dorley Zoo in Omaha, Nebraska. And this occurred with the blessings of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service over vocal and strenuous objections by many prominent animal welfare organizations. Now, let's get back to this word conservation. The zoo industry's most powerful marketing tool is conservation. You've heard this claim that zoos make, that they promote conservation, their activities promote animal conservation, and what they do here somehow helps animals on the other side of the globe. I've yet to make sense of this claim that their existence is necessary in the efforts to conserve animals. Sure, some zoos make financial contributions to various conservation projects, but does that translate into anything meaningful? I read at many zoos, only 1% of the budget goes to conservation. Do the zoo's contribution to conservation outweigh the costs to individual animal welfare? Or are they simply exploiting animals for profit? Of course they're exploiting animals for profit. It's obvious to anyone who gives it a minute thought that zoos cannot provide for all of the behavioral or social needs of animals in their enclosures, right? That's obvious. But what's not obvious, what's not so sensible, is how does captivity, how do what zoos do really help in any meaningful way conservation? And the next time you consider patronizing your local zoo, just think about those 18 elephants who were once living free in the wild, but now are forced to live unnatural lives in captivity in our zoos. And ask yourself, how the hell does that serve conservation? But the thing is, North American zoos continue to pump money into their elephant exhibits and continue to harbor and confine these majestic creatures. And I really don't understand it, especially when public awareness seems to be growing about what elephants need. Barbara King is an emerita anthropology professor at the College of William and Mary. She often writes about the cognition, emotion, and welfare of animals. And she came on the show a few years back to speak about her 2016 article titled, As a Major Zoo Closes, 10 Reasons to Rethink the Concept. In this article, Barbara talks about the problems with our modern zoos. I asked her what inspired her to write this article, and she told me it was inspired by the death of Harambee. And for those of you who don't remember Harambee, Harambee was a 17-year-old gorilla who was killed at the Cincinnati Zoo after a child climbed into his enclosure. This occurred in May 2016. This was another huge animal story in 2016 we reported on. And her point was that what happened to Harambee 
happen so often to so many animals at zoos. Accidents occur all the time, which leads to the animal's injury or the animal's death. In June of 2016, the Oregon Zoo accidentally chopped off part of a lion's tail with a hydraulic door at a kid's show. Can you imagine? Kabibi, a 16-month-old gorilla, was crushed to death when a hydraulic door closed on her. This was at the San Francisco Zoo back in 2014. As long as we keep animals in captivity, these accidents will continue to occur. Barbara King was explaining it's not just the traumatic deaths, but it's also the daily costs to animals, the costs of being confined, the costs of being made to act very unnaturally, being taunted very often by zoo visitors. And of course, we touched upon the educational component as well, because zoos often tout the fact that they provide important educational lessons to zoo-goers and children, which we all know is a bunch of nonsense. Yeah, it's really important for children to see animals being crushed to death or parts of their tails being chopped off. Those are the educational values I want to teach my kids. I mean, really, if zoos are teaching children anything, it's that imprisoning animals for our entertainment is acceptable and that we humans are in charge and the other animals are there for our amusement. Another point Barbara makes in her article is the animals suffer from stress and boredom. Animals are not in their natural environment, and therefore they cannot act naturally. They are actually being prevented from acting naturally. For example, let's say the animal is a predator. What's the most natural thing a predator does? It's to hunt, right? Well, animals hunting other animals in zoos is forbidden. Any animal on animal violence is forbidden at a zoo. That would upset the public. A lot of people, including myself, can't even watch the Animal Channel or Animal Planet because it's upsetting to watch animals kill other animals, even if they're doing what's natural to them. Zoos need to make zoo-goers' experience pleasurable. Plus, zoos wouldn't even be able to satisfy the predator's natural urges within their limited confines anyway. Barbara said she once witnessed a groundhog get into the wolf's enclosure, and of course the wolves destroyed the groundhog because they are wild animals and they're just acting normally. But the staff of the zoo got very upset because the public could see blood on the muzzle of the wolves, and that upsets the visitors. So although the wolves are acting like normal predators, it cannot be permitted. So I think you get my point. Visitors are not seeing a realistic depiction of how the animals really live. So really, what is the educational value? But that's the thing. Zoos justify their existence through two objectives, conservation and education. And that's what zoos want you to believe. But you know that's not reality at the zoo. It's not possible to fulfill those objectives when wild animals are confined. Well, we're almost out of time, and we didn't even talk about what happens when there's a surplus of animals at the zoo. Have you ever heard this term, zoothanasia? It's the cruel practice of killing healthy zoo animals because there's too many of them. Yeah, that's right. Killing healthy animals at the zoo goes along perfectly with the zoo's mission of education and conservation. So you want to take your family and see wild animals in real life? Visit a sanctuary or a wild animal rescue center or go on a photographic tour. A true sanctuary will not breed or buy animals to display them. A true wildlife sanctuary takes in unwanted, injured wildlife that can no longer survive on their own in the wild. Sanctuaries rescue unwanted wild animals who were once people's pets. 
Instead of killing unwanted or injured wild animals like many zoos do, true sanctuaries are a place of refuge where injured and abused and unwanted captive wildlife can live in peace for the remainder of their lives. That's the least we can offer them, don't you think? More with Animals Today right after the break. Welcome back to the show. Have you ever thought about where zoos get their supply of captive elephants? I have to tell you that with all the public awareness about how much elephants in zoos suffer, that importing fresh ones from Africa, that practice, would have ended a long time ago. And yet, believe it or not, it still continues. But we have some good news to report about this. It looks like that the importation of African elephants into the U.S., China, and other countries may soon end. So I'm very pleased to welcome to the show Will Anderson. Will is part of the elephant campaign team with In Defense of Animals. Welcome to the program, Will. Thank you, Laurie. Happy to be here. Will, recently the EU approved a proposal that would limit the export of elephants from Africa to the U.S., China, and other countries. Can you give us a little background on what led to this? Uh, CITES um, is an international treaty to which 183 uh, nation members convene about every three years, and it is a function of the, the United Nations. And this year, unexpectedly, the member nations at CITES approved a ban on exports from Africa of wild elephants. And that has been the source of elephants from the wild uh, that U.S. zoos have taken advantage of and hopefully will not be stopped. Please explain where these animals come from specifically and what's involved in capturing and stealing these juvenile elephants? Well, as you can imagine, elephants who are very closely um, tied through matriarchal bonds where the females never leave their mothers and their herd, um, except on rare occasions. This tight social and emotional bond is torn asunder by the brutal and violent methods of capture. Mm. They will harass the mother, try and separate the mother from her uh, young elephants, and um, do their best to shoot the young elephant with a tranquilizer dart and um, essentially steal that baby elephant who will then be shipped to places like China and the United States. And where specifically in Africa do these elephants come from? In 2016, which was the latest uh, import of African elephants to the U.S., there were 18 elephants taken comprising both adults and sub-adults, and that was from Swaziland. And um, of those 18 elephants, one died just before transport, um, and 17 were brought to the U.S. to be distributed to three zoos. And this was um, particularly corrupt uh, import in that the government of Swaziland at that time had in place one person who both managed their elephants and also was a person who would stamp and approve the export. And that person, of course, was able to do whatever he wanted, and it was rubber stamped. Hmm. That um, 
was followed by U.S. zoos who saw that a court order was going to be heard within a few days. The zoos sent their aircraft early and swept up the elephants and took them to the U.S. before the court hearing could be held. Mm. So the measure, though, that we're talking about, the proposal, bans the export of wild-caught elephants from Zimbabwe and Botswana, correct? Yes. And those are the only two African nations where it's legal to capture these large elephants in their wild habitat. Yes, under current um, regulations under CITES. But that effectively seals much of uh, the elephant exports because many other countries are not interested in exporting their elephants. They want to uh, work with other uh, range states, range countries where elephants live to cooperatively um, manage elephants. And because elephants, of course, are under severe threat in the wild, um, there are a few localized geographic areas that have healthy abundance of elephants, but those elephants, of course, migrate across boundaries and essentially they do not know about borders. And so um, counting elephants and saying it's okay to, to ship elephants or take elephants away, one, it ignores the international nature of the trade in elephants, but also it ignores the brutal and and frankly um, disgusting manner of capture in which young elephants are taken from their mothers and forever shipped away to countries and continents thousands and thousands of miles away where they will live in captivity in zoos. And the U.S. capture, as brutal as it was, wasn't as brutal as, say, the ones in China. And so China was was getting a free ride off of the... um, support of the U.S., which was allowing zoos to take elephants from the wild in Swaziland at that time, and um, who also had planned, as it reported, to take in more elephants from another country, either Zimbabwe or Botswana. Now that has been stopped. Will, after the elephants are captured, how do they get to their destinations around the world? There are specially equipped aircraft uh, large aircraft that uh, are owned by um, various companies. They essentially fly from where wherever their home base is. And I know there's one in South Africa. Um, and then they tranquilize the young elephants and then board them on a plane in crates. And then, you know, 12, 14, maybe longer uh, hours in the air, they land in another country and where they're uncrated, still tranquilized, and distributed to zoos at their location. In the U.S., there were three zoos, Dallas, Henry Durley, and Sedgwick Zoos, and uh, they split that up, that group up from Swaziland, and then later on uh, took another mother calf pair and sent them to yet another zoo. <laughs> so the, 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 the life of an elephant is entirely based on their social, emotional, and psychological bonds between one another. An elephant is not an elephant if that elephant is not in his or her ecosystem. That is where you will see a true elephant. And when you have these elephants placed into zoos, what you're seeing is not an elephant, 
but the ghost of an elephant. And these elephants are limited in what they can do. They have no free agency in that they can't make their own decisions on what they want to do, um, except to those in which they've been trained. And what you see is just nothing of who elephants are. We have to take a break, but we're going to continue our discussion with elephant expert Will Anderson. Please stay with us. You're listening to Animals Today. Hi, it's Dr. Lori Kirshner, host of Animals Today Radio, and I'd like to invite you to join me each week right here for the latest animal news from around the globe. From animals in the wild to animals on farms and in agriculture to our beloved dogs and cats, Animals Today tackles the important issues about their welfare and rights while promoting compassion and respect for all living creatures. And yes, Animals Today is your home for serious talk about animals, but there's big doses of fun and adventure for everyone. If you want to know what you can do to help tigers in the wild, or whether your family should adopt a tortoise, or why you should avoid buying puppies from pet stores, you will love Animals Today. So make sure to join us on this station each week. Visit us at animalstodayradio.com, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, and join the discussion on Facebook. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining the conversation, last week a resolution passed whereby zoos will no longer be able to import wild-caught African elephants to the U.S., China, and other countries. This is huge news and a momentous win for the elephants. And we're speaking with Will Anderson with the organization In Defense of Animals. So, Will, the United States and China are the countries receiving the most elephants. How many elephants are we talking about, and what other countries buy them? Um, well, Europe, the European Union claims to not have been taking any elephants from Africa for some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, China has been the largest customer, if you will, of the elephants taken from Africa. And... Um, I believe in the past 10, 12 years, there have been about 100, mm-hmm. maybe a little little more. And these are mostly young elephants. Actually, I think all of them are socially isolated. They uh, are taken hither and yon um, throughout China. And I don't know if they are resold after that, but I do know there was a, a core business person uh, what, who does all the dealing in China for these late, latest shipments. And I assume that person is making money. And for the U.S., it's, uh, it's a little more hands-on by the zoos in that uh, they, uh, through the Fish and Wildlife Service, which is essentially um, an arm of the zoo industry at this point, uh, and, and for this subject matter, zoos um, just take them and decide where they want to go beforehand. They make an agreement amongst one another to act together uh, under the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. AZA. So are American zoos paying hard cash for these elephants? Well, they'll deny that. Um, U.S. laws say, and CITES, you know, say it, sh- it can't be uh, a commercial transaction, especially in the U.S. And what happens is that um, in 2016, zoos uh, pledged uh, about half a million dollars to Swaziland so that it could... Um, better manage its elephants and rhinos and other wildlife 
Now, they will say that was just a donation, but of course it was a payment. And that's Fish and Wildlife Service will deny that, as will the zoos. But it's tit for tat. I mean, it's just there. You get elephants, you give them a half million dollars. Uh, signed and done. It's a deal. The countries that are supplying the elephants, why do they do this, in your opinion? Is it simply the money? Are they that desperate? Well, they, they cite elephant overpopulation, but it doesn't make any sense right. because the relatively few elephants from, that, from those populations are taken. And so it's not going to make any difference uh, in, in, uh, ecologically in the few d- elephants they take out. It's, it makes a difference in what happens to the individual elephants and by uh, extension to the elephant herds themselves because they are, they are affected and traumatized by this. But, you know, elephants aren't going to uh, become extinct because of exports, but they are uh, on the receiving end of yet another pressure that is pushing them towards extinction. The elephants um, are under great pressure in the wild, and that, that's why it's that's one of the things why it's so uh, why it's so frustrating is about this is is that zoos are spending hun- literally hundreds of millions of dollars of new elephant exhibits and importing elephants from Africa because they are totally unable to maintain the populations themselves because they're low success of birthing, uh, high death rates, early in life death rates of elephants. So they have to keep taking them uh, from Africa. Mm-hmm. They're in a genetic bottleneck, so they need more uh, genetic uh, input into their population. But zoos are spending hundreds of millions of dollars on this to have elephants in North America. And while African and Asian nations go begging, their elephant programs go begging, Endangered species, threatened species, these programs and these animals go begging for help. When U.S. zoos, to me, it's a criminal enterprise. U.S. zoos are businesses. You know, elephants are a sentinel species for zoos. Sentinel species in ecosystems means that some species are in a position within the ecosystem in which if they're doing well, it's a good indicator that the ecosystem is doing well. Well, elephants are sentinel species for zoos. And elephants are doing terribly. And it's a reflection of the fact that zoos should no longer be what they are. They are captivity programs that inoculate children and adults alike to believe that what they're seeing are animals as they really are. Non-human animals that are complex are simply reduced to simplified grazing beasts, elephants who see life behind bars, elephants who spend much of their time in many parts of the U.S. in barns for most of the winter. And zoos take this money, which comes from public donations, foundation grants, and divert it from the wild elephants in Asia and Africa and use it to build their, their elephant empires in the U.S., and it's, it's telling that zoos are doing this with elephants. But as an indicator species, um, it's, this is showing and reminding us that there are many, many um, non-human animals held captive in zoos who should never, ever be held in these facilities. You know, lions, tigers, and bears, you know, as, as the theme goes. But all of them have incredibly rich, complex lives 
which you will not see reflected at a zoo. Will, I bet the average American would be shocked and disappointed to learn that American zoos are still procuring wild elephants for their attractions. What's your take on that? Well, everything, including myself, um, that I knew about zoos came from zoos. It's a self-fulfilling, self-serving business that tells us what we're seeing is what we should be seeing. And so people who see zoos and uh, in the way they were brought up to believe value the zoos. They're in love, as the zookeepers are, in love with these elephants. But they don't understand that that is all about people being in love with elephants at their zoo or their lions or whatever other animal they consider to be cute. And that is not uh, an understanding of what elephants need. Elephants need relationships with other elephants. Elephants need to be able to choose to be with whom they want to be chosen to be with, other elephants. And so you get places like the Bronx Zoo in New York, who has uh, two solitary elephants held in captivity. Bronx Zoo being the uh, gold standard, according to zoos, of both field research and um, science. Bronx Zoo has two elephants, one of them being Happy, the infamous elephant who showed um, in, in test self-recognition. Happy showed self-recognition by looking at a mirror. And, you know, elephants get it. Elephants know that they are they, and we are we. And they're smart, and they do what they have to do. But elephants, you know, are, are more than what we want them to be. We want them to be our attraction, a place we can go to take children, to, to make people look and go, wow. And then they go back to their homes, and they might have a, a, a touch of, of elephant appreciation, but that just blends in with our daily busy lives. And they really don't know much about elephants from then that way forward, unless they're lucky enough to see some incredibly good documentaries unless they're willing to start reading books and really caring about elephants and understanding that um, our love for elephants must never, ever make us forget that elephants need other elephants and other elephants, all elephants, need their ecosystems to live, to thrive, and be Will, who they are. Yeah. Let's go back and talk about what happened in the EU concerning this practice of capturing the wild elephants from Africa to bring them to the United States to spend the rest of their lives in captivity. Why does the European Union have an interest in this? And can you explain the relationship between CITES and the EU? Well, um, the EU, um, because it's a union, a European Union, they are representative at CITES, uh, one of 183 countries, as a block of 28 countries themselves. And so even though they are European Union at CITES, they have 28 votes. And they, since they have not been importing elephants from Africa, they still had concerns about the trade in elephants at, I believe, the behest of zoos. Certainly in the U.S., this was a very zoo-driven 
Fish and Wildlife Service that opposed the measure that passed. And so everybody thought this was going to go down to defeat. The U.S. opposed it. The European Union opposed it. Certain um, co- countries in Africa who um, that would benefit financially from the sale of elephants, they opposed it. So it was almost certain to to, uh, to be defeated. So the European Union decided to have, because it was embarrassed, frankly, by many celebrities going on TV in the media, castigating the European Union countries and the delegation for even thinking about voting to continue mm-hmm. this horrific trade in wild elephants. So the European Union put out some reasonable proposals, and those proposals were adopted. And because they were adopted, the European Union joined so that of the votes, 87 delegations, countries, voted yes, 29 voted no, and there were 25 abstentions. And that gave them the two-thirds majority to pass. Now keep in mind that even with these amendments to the ban on exporting elephants from Africa, the U.S. continued to oppose it. They voted no. The U.S. shamefully voted to continue the trade in live elephants, Hmm. adults and and babies alike. Hmm. And that was orchestrated by the Fish and Wildlife Service, and the Fish and Wildlife Service was orchestrated by the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. And I I say that because um, during the Swaziland import, the director of the Fish and Wildlife Service was Dan Ash. Dan Ash, one year after he left the Fish and Wildlife Service, became the president and CEO of the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, which pushes for these imports. After the break, we're going to continue our discussion on the recent resolution passed last week, which would limit the sales of elephants to zoos. No doubt a victory for our elephants, but did the rule go far enough? We're speaking with elephant expert Will Anderson. Will, what is the status of the resolution right now, and does it provide everything you were hoping for? It does not provide um, everything. Um, It is now a rule that countries, that signatory countries, have to abide by. Some of the uh, exemptions or exceptions to the rule were, um, were put forward and approved were meant to address very exceptional um, situations in which the welfare of elephants in the wild might be a problem. Um, in that, say, if there's a disease outbreak in, in, in one part of a small uh, range country in which there are a few elephants, that they could, you know, move those elephants out of there until the disease passed. That was an example that was given to me. Um, uh, zoos in, in in other places felt that, well, if this rule passed, they wouldn't be able to take elephants they already had in zoos and take them to another zoo to ship them around, which they do constantly. And so that was that was um, addressed. And so 
elephants uh, in zoos in Europe and elsewhere can move them between zoos and not be affected by this ban. And there is always wiggle room in, in language, and so there's concern that there are, I believe, about 35 very young elephants who are taken, kidnapped from their mothers, being held in, in a compound, I believe, in Zimbabwe. And whether or not they are covered by this, they're destined for China. And I haven't heard which way that's going to go. There are other elephants um, in, in zoos in Africa. You know, there's the, the ban cover them. So our vigilance will not be dropped. We will continue, like organizations around the world, to monitor and get ready to oppose any effort by zoos to take elephants from the wild. In addition, while we're on, our ongoing uh, campaign is to get elephants out of zoos and into sanctuaries. So it, it, there's a possibility, and frankly, perhaps almost a certainty, that U.S. zoos will try to find a way to import elephants. But with the 2016 import from Swaziland, which took 18 elephants from the ecosystem, 17 of which arrived in the U.S., alive and we are fresh with that wound that failure to stop them um and so you can bet that should the zoo, u.s zoos ever try again to import elephants into zoos from africa that we will be ready and we will stop them will i want community of people yeah you bet you bet well i want to go back to something you said about a minute ago so the few dozen baby elephants who were captured in the wild, torn away from their families, and awaiting export in Zimbabwe. We don't know what's going to happen to these elephants at this time? We don't know for certain, but we believe that they will be sent to Chinese zoos. There are 35 um, baby African elephants uh, kept in a corral, so to speak, and they have been there for several months. It's the fourth time that Zimbabwe has captured and exported elephants to Chinese zoos. Fourth time since 2012. Mm. And so there are about 108 maybe elephants altogether that have been taken, including these 35. So there are a lot of organizations who, uh, and people around the world who are rallying to try and stop this. But, you know, Zimbabwe is its own country and we will see what happens. Will, can you tell us a little bit about how Chinese zoos treat elephants compared to those in North America and Europe? Is it more or less the same? No, uh, Chinese zoos have very little to no standards for captivity. Um, It's a business proposition. They brought in approximately 108 elephants from Zimbabwe since 2012. I think it was in October of 2017, there or 17, but there, there's documentation, video documentation of the calves being beaten and kicked as they were being sedated and taken away, taken away to um, holding pens in Zimbabwe. I think in 2016, Zimbabwe exported 30 baby elephants to Chinese zoos. Several of them had died in earlier shipments or after arrival, and they are kept in dark, socially isolated rooms, prison cells, if you like, and they are not given, first of all, they don't, they don't have anything from their mother anymore. All the things that baby elephant would have learned about being an elephant. 
and they, they, they've been deprived of everything. They have wounds. They have, you know, it, it's just a terrible thing for any anyone to be treated that way. Mm. And now the, the U.S. voted to continue that practice at CITES this year. Mm. United Nations organization, CITES, of which the U.S. is a signatory, to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, voted to continue this terrible terrible trade in wild elephants. They voted for it to continue. Uh, and fortunately, the U.S. wasn't able to stop it. But it sure is a stain on, on us and the Fish and Wildlife Service and anyone who cares about elephants yeah. Yeah. Uh, in this country. At this point, Will, what can we do to help and what can listeners do to protect elephants in Africa? I think the first thing to do to protect elephants in Africa uh, and elsewhere, frankly, is to educate ourselves to the plight of elephants in the wild. And when we all understand what elephants need, everyone can start using the money they would have paid to go to a zoo and donating it to the organization of their choice, organizations that help elephants in the wild and not zoos who try and keep artificial populations of elephants in the U.S. So if I can rephrase that, the best thing people can do is to educate yourselves about elephants in Asia and Africa and, and elsewhere. And once you understand what, what elephants really need from us, and that is help and protection in the wild, help and protection for their ecosystems in the wild, then take the money that you would have spent going to watch captive elephants in zoos and donate it to the organization of your choice that is working on behalf of elephants in the, in the wild throughout the world where elephants need, desperately need our help. Will Anderson with In Defense of Animals, thank you for all this important information. Thank you so much, Dr. Laurie. I appreciate the time to share this. Well, friends, I want to thank you for listening to the special episode of Animals Today. Will Anderson has painted a tragic picture of the terrible inhumane treatment that elephants, including babies, are subjected to around the world. I think you can hear in Will's voice how much this affects him emotionally, and I bet you're now quite sad to learn the unfortunate facts about elephant trade and captivity. At least this new agreement will substantially limit the export of elephants to zoos, and most would agree, overall, it's a critical step in preserving these majestic creatures. So please follow Will's suggestions, do not support zoos, get educated about elephants in the wild, and then contribute, and please do so generously, to the organizations of your choice, which protect free wild elephants and their environment. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner, encouraging you to nurture your love and compassion for the only other beings sharing our planet, the animals. The animals.